I just wanted to start going. So I had these 35 things um, and every day I would come in and um, it actually turned into, um, I've had this conversation. I had this conversation with a lot of, with Katrin. I had this conversation with Heather. I've had this conversation with um, some of the, the gym manager that I work with. And um, it became exactly what I was talking about before, which was this like, this is what I have been training for. Mm -hmm. This is what, uh, this is the moment. Um, I went into like battle mode. We are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control. That taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness. That chasing excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run, always chasing, never stopping. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Chasing Excellence. Ben, how are you? Good, Patrick. Thanks. This is, you know, we've been recording these podcasts since about late 2015, and this is the first time we've done it not in the same room. Pretty wild. Which is kind of fun for, for obvious reasons. Um, and so uh, for the first time since this kind of whole coronavirus thing kicked off, you and I are going to actually talk about it. Um, folks probably have figured out by now, based on the, the episodes that we've released, that you and I will often record episodes in advance, two, three, four sometimes. Um, and so the last two to three to f maybe even four weeks, we've been going through episodes that we recorded prior to this being as real as it got. Um, we actually did, it's funny, we actually did record an episode about how you were thinking about and responding to coronavirus at the gym. Yeah. And in the time, in like the three days bef between recording it and releasing it, everything had changed and it didn't matter changed, anymore. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, so today we're just gonna catch up. We're just gonna see how are you doing, what you're thinking about, um, uh, and then go from there. And I think the next few weeks we will, uh, continue to, you know, a few weeks, hopefully not more than, you know, two, three, four weeks, maybe, um, kind of talk about how to get through this thing together. Um, and so just to kind of kick things off to start, tell me how you're doing, how the family's doing, how you guys have been handling the, the, the quarantine and the, the shutdowns. Yeah. So kind of just to restate a little bit, what you're saying is, um, when we, uh, when this whole thing kicked off a, a few weeks ago, we did sit down and talked about Corona. We talked about how our gym was dealing with it, what we were doing in the gym, what our plans were. And that was when things were changing every like two or three days. And yep. by the time it came time to release it, and we were going to push that episode ahead of time. Yep. When we were going to release that four days later, the world had completely yeah. shifted and changed. And even in that time, it was completely outdated. And we we're like, well, yeah, we can't release this. So um, this is... Um, this is strange, funky, weird, unique times that we're going to remember and everyone's going to talk about for the rest of our lives, if mm -hmm. not longer. Yep. Um, I think it's one of probably the probably the second most meaningful thing that's happened in our lifetime. Yep. Um, and it's uh, so for the family and what we're doing. Luckily, um, it's springtime in New England, yeah. so we've been able to get outside a little bit. If this was uh, November, December, January. Yeah. I've thought about that a lot. Yeah, man, that would be a different ball game for us. Um, having said that, it's not, 
You know, there's days that we're going to have to spend a lot. Today it's raining yep. and it's cold, so we're going to be inside today. But um, catch people up a little bit. We have um, – I have a family of four kids plus a fifth big kid, Katrin, <laughs> that lives with us. So we have seven um, people in the house. Yeah. Um, we don't have a huge house. Um, but we're – we're dealing, we're coping, we're ready for this. Um, you know, it's one of the things that we talk about on this podcast a lot, and we'll probably talk about a lot today, but um, things are good. Um, none, of, none of our family is um, extremely sick. We've had a little, we had a little stomach, weird stomach thing go through the house. Yeah. Last week, we thought we might have had corona, so we um, went and got tested, and we don't. Mm. Um, weird that we're quarantining, ice, you know, this isolation stuff. It's like, how do you get a stomach bug? Yeah, that is weird. When you're not, it's really weird. Yeah. I um, mean, it tore through the house pretty good. Uh, went through three of us. Uh, but things are good, Patrick. How are you good. doing? Same. Uh, we're doing okay. It's funny. I've, I've joked with a few people now that everybody's current life is approximately like 96% of my regular life. Um, <laughs> um, you know, you're, you're very, you've done a lot of quarantine practice. That's right. I've been socially isolating since I was approximately 14. Yes. So that's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but we're, we're doing okay. So similar, like we, we've got a three-year-old over here and, and, um, and my wife is approximately like 12 months pregnant at this point. So we're, like that, that's the part that's a little odd for us is just preparing for that, trying to figure out what that's going to look yeah. like, trying to, um, anticipate the challenges of that. Um, you know, we had obviously had anticipated and planned for having family up to help us in the first few weeks in the first, you know, to, to, um, to help us kind of get through that transition. And that's, that's going to be harder now, if not impossible, but we'll see. Um, but beyond that, yeah, just trying to stay start, stay smart and stay sane here. And, um, you know, like I, it's funny before we we started recording, uh, I could hear in the background, um, the kids kind of getting homeschooled and how they're working with them. And that's one thing that I think like I a ton of uh, empathy for, like for parents who are trying to figure out how to do all of those things at the same time. We were a little bit lucky. He's our son's three. And right now he's just happy to like go outside and play on the trampoline. And like, that's, yeah. that's a good day. And so we don't, at least we don't have the added challenge of like, okay, how do we structure this? How do we make sure that it's not 10 hours of staring at the iPad or like, wh you know, whatever it is, whatever the challenges there are in there. Um, but I think, I think it's one of those things, you know, I, I, we've talked about a little bit on the podcast before, like when, when my son was first born, I struggled really hard to figure out. Um, I, I tried really hard to get my old life, the routine of my old life back in as soon as possible. And I spent months being really frustrated that I couldn't do that. Um, and I think that everybody's now f re realizing that kind of against their will that the routines, the life, the the um, the things that worked before this have to be rewritten almost entirely. And the faster you can recognize that, the faster you can say, okay, well, what does it mean now? The smoother the transition is into whatever like a, this you know quote unquote new normal might be. Yeah, I think it's exactly it's the new norm, right? Yeah. Um, so. I'm in our bedroom. Yeah. Now. Yeah. The kids are downstairs, the kitchen table. Um, each of them, thank God for technology. I mean, like it's crazy, but they're both doing school. Like yeah. they do school through their iPads now. Um, and we're finding our new routine, which is basically me coming upstairs either in 
our bedroom or one of our kids' bedrooms. And basically, I it's like I'm in the office and I yeah. kind of plug away. And yeah. every now and then they come and crawl over my shoulders. But yep. it's, um, you know, the idea behind this is what you're just saying is, you know, when Darwin's survival of the fittest, like people think that it's the strongest that survive. And that's not what yeah. Darwin said. Yeah. He said it's the fastest to adapt. And the most, um, the, the, the species that can change and adapt the best are the ones that are going to survive the most. Yeah. And I've been really impressed with how fast the new norm settles in. Um, you know, for every, not for me, like for, for everyone, like in the, when this thing was shifting and changing and it was like, um, you know, we decided to close the gym. Yeah. That thought and that newness and that um, was so strange, weird, and jarring. Like, talk about like the routine getting flipped upside down and this. Um, and then three days later, it's kind of like, huh? Mm. That's what it, it is. What it is. Yeah. And by two weeks later, it's not even a like it's that it almost feels weird. Like going back to that would feel strange people find new um norms pretty well actually maybe i should take that back i think that the people that listen to this podcast the people that we surround ourselves with um are do find those new norms really quickly yeah are willing to accept um you know do what they can with what they have for where they are that truly to me is that one of the principles it's one of the things that we talk about all the time. Um, let me back up a little bit. For people that listen to this podcast, and I, I know it's mostly people that are trying to crush life. You know, they're trying to thrive. They're trying to um, be ready for moments like this. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons that we train in the way we think and the way we put ourselves through the self-analysis that we do is so that when things like this happen, we're ready. The training we do in the gym and all of the mindset stuff that we do is exactly in preparation for things like this. We don't train in the gym to get good at the gym. We don't do this meditative or self-analysis or mental toughness thing that we do for the sake of like trying to be the toughest dude on the field, right. we do it because it's going to prepare us for these moments. The call at two in the morning or like no one saw this thing coming, but we're ready for the unknown and the unknowable. The gym is just puts a microscope on what our lives are going to be like. It basically is, you know, the stoic philosophy, whatever you want to call it. <clears throat> it's like, let's prepare for this moment. Mm-hmm. And when it comes and when it arrives, we act with a reverse clause, which is, I saw a quote the other day, which I can't remember. Who, I wish I could remember who I attributed it to, but it's basically, it said like every human being deep in their hearts is praying for the end of the world, hmm. which is basically like, we kind of, in a way, in a strange little way, it's like doomsday preppers, right? Mm-hmm. Like in a little bit, they they want that kind of like moment, that thing that they're going to be tested. And what I feel good about is that the people around us, we've been, we've been working for this, mm-hmm. you know, um, not to say that we 
aren't having our struggles in this moment. And like, there are times that, you know, yeah, um, quarantining and isolation and all that is tough and it's hard. But at the same time, we're going to see this as an opportunity, not an obstacle and take advantage of something that, man, there's a lot of, you know, what I would hate to do is at the end of this thing, look back and be like, the end of these three months or whatever it is, um, feel like nothing kind of happened or changed. Mm -hmm. This is such an opportunity for dot, dot, dot. Like you fill in the blank. Like you can, like, what do you want to do during this time? Do you want to try to learn, try to try to back squat 350? Or do you want to write a book? Or do you want to start meditating? Do you want to start uh, a new routine of like going on walks with your family? Do you want to read 10 books that you haven't, like there are so many opportunities in front of us that have never kind of presented themselves. Um, I, I hope, and I'm pretty confident that people listening to this are the type of people that see the opportunities. Yeah. When um, you mentioned that, uh, it hasn't all been kind of rainbows and sunshine, right? Because uh, I'm happy to speak for myself. Like I've had days where it's really hard to pull myself out of the the kind of the downward spiral of what ifs, and uh, and I'm curious what what has that been like for you? Have you had days where it's been tough? You know, because for me, I think about. I think about work. I think about all my friends who run gyms. I think about, you know, um, th things like that. And it's, and, and again, for me, it's, it's been hard that if I, if something triggers that feeling or that voice or that doubt, it's, it's been harder for me, yeah. I think throughout these last few weeks to not let it like really pull me down for the rest of the day or whatever. And I'm curious, yes, have you had moments like that days like that, especially as it relates to thinking about, the gym and even comp train to a degree yes. and like all, all that stuff. Like what has that been yeah. like even for you? Yep. So action is the antidote to anxiety. hundred percent. hundred percent. So here's what happened. Let me just kind of walk through the, the experience that I had. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we decided we were going to close the gym. It was a, um, a really, um, so let me kind of walk through that first a little bit. Um, when we decided to close the gym, we were, I believe we were the first CrossFit gym in the United States to close. Mm. That's a really, um, difficult decision, except that it's not. Yeah. So when you establish principles as hard as we have, um, it becomes the decision is easy and the action is hard. I believe that that is actually a litmus test for, are you making the right decisions? If you think about what some of our principles are, and one of them is to be overly responsive and responsible. So if you think about what is the most responsible thing that we can do for the health and wellness of our members, okay? First off, back up before that, what is our mind to create with this gym? Well, for us, it's a family of humble, hungry, happy people who kick ass in their 90s. 
This is not about doing better in the open. This is not about um, creating profit. This is not about getting to 500 members. This is not about, this is about creating a family of people that kick ass in their 90s. In their 90s, most of our members are in their young 40s. We have 50 years to get there. So we take that long distance horizon, all of a sudden the decision becomes real easy. Yeah. Like we got to close because if we don't, our members could get sick and get hurt and all that stuff. So the most responsible thing we can do for the health of our members is to close. Okay. When should we do that? Let's be overly responsive. Let's do this. At, let's go. Let's do this now. So we literally, um, I had an all day quarterly offsite meeting a couple Thursdays ago. Um, for comp train, so for a different business than the gym. Um, when that ended at 5.30, off-site, you know, I was about 40 minutes away from the gym, um, got on a call with everybody together, and we basically said, like, the schools are um, planning on closing. Um, um, they're starting to close around us, dot, dot, dot. And we said, um, this was at 5.30. At that moment, we said, um, we're going to close. We're not having the 6.30 class. Mm. Like we closed it that moment. Like we didn't wait till Monday. We didn't, we did it at that moment. So we were overly responsive. We put a sign out. We said this, it actually wasn't at 5.30 exactly. We did make the decision about uh, 5.10, 5.05, something there. We didn't have the 6.30 class. So yep. the, uh, I'm sorry, the 5.30 class. We finished up the 4.30 and that was the end. So the decision part is actually easy when you let the guardrails of your principles guide your actions, decisions, behaviors. Yep. That's the reason you create those as super bright lines so you don't have to make those hard decisions. Now, the hard part is the action. Yep. The hard part is like, holy crap, now that we've done this, how are we going to continue to pay our coaches? Holy crap, now that we've done this, how, what do we do with our members? Okay, holy crap, now that we've done this, how are we going to pay rent next month? But because the action's hard doesn't mean that's separate from the decision. So if you're at Whole Foods and you, you buy yourself some groceries and some lunch and you drive away, and you're 10 minutes away from Whole Foods and you realize 10 minutes away from Whole Foods that the cashier gave you an extra 20 bucks change mistakenly. Well, the decision there is really easy. Doing the right thing regardless, basically living your life with integrity, is to drive back to Whole Foods. Now, the action is hard. Mm -hmm. What that means is that you have to spend an extra 20 minutes out of your day, 10 minutes back, 10 minutes back to where you are, potentially have a weird, awkward conversation with a cashier. Maybe they're not there and you have to find a manager. Like The action is hard, but the decision is easy. Because the action of closing the gym is difficult, doesn't influence the decision. Mm -hmm. So what we have to do is we have to figure out what happens there. And then here's what happens. You get stressed out. Yeah. I got massively stressed out. Um, as a leader, leading 400 people and a staff of 12 that can, that basically is a major, major part of most of those people's lives some people, it's their paycheck, mm -hmm. um, and it's my livelihood and my baby, the thing I've built up for the last 12 years. Um, it's It was a stressful moment, big time. And I got 
I, got, I came to the brink of tears probably twice. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't cry, but I almost wanted to. I can remember sitting in my office and like wanting to because I was like, it's almost like you feel sick. You just want to throw up. Yeah. And you feel like after you throw up, it's going to feel better. Um, and after the second time of me almost getting to tears, um, I was like, I need to figure this out. Um, so what I did was started listing. Um, all the things that I needed to do. Mm-hmm. And um, it was as I'm listing it, it's becoming overwhelming because I have a list of about 35 things I need to do. Everything from, um, you know, create c- cash flow projections to research unemployment law to what the hell is furloughing to um, talking to our um, healthcare and HR people to having a conversation with every single employee, to figure out how to create some sort of revenue, to figure out the best way to charge slash not charge our members, to create, um, what are we gonna do about rent? Um, and like, I listed about 35 different things. And just, I erased everything on my You've seen the office on the whiteboard. Yep. It listed up 35 things. And then what I just started doing was, um, Without really prioritizing, I just started going. Yeah. And I picked, like, what's the next one? And Because there's a pro and a con to prioritizing. If you prioritize, um, like, what's the most important thing? It can be really daunting. Mm-hmm. It can be overwhelming. Yeah, you spend so more time trying was, to figure out what the most important thing is than, exactly. than doing any of it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, that most important thing might take me three days. Right. And now I'm, like, overwhelmed again. So what I wanted to do was um, action creates action, right? So it's really hard to push a car across a parking lot, like really, really hard by yourself. But once you get that three, four steps in, the next three or four steps are not quite as hard. Yeah. Yeah. And then once you get that eight, nine, 10, and you get that thing, you know, um, 15 meters, 15 yards, all of a sudden now it's like you go, and then you get like, 50 feet and now the things moving and moving and moving. Yeah. So yeah, the, me- the metaphor I always think about with that is like, if you're doing a heavy deadlift, the first one always feels so much harder than the second one. Yeah. So if exactly. you get through the first one, you can So get- I want to just, I just wanted to start going. So I had these 35 things. Um, and every day I would come in and, um, it actually turned into, um, I've had this conversation. I had this conversation with a lot of, with, Katrin, I had this conversation with Heather. I've had this conversation with um, some of the, the gym manager that I work with. And um, it became exactly what I was talking about before, which was this like, this is what I have been training for. Mm-hmm. This is what, uh, this is the moment. Um, I went into like battle mode and it became this amazing, amazing, um, probably seven to 10 days. It was like um, over two weeks, two work weeks of where I would go into work. Um, and I mean, that I would go into my empty office with no one else in the building. Yeah. Um, and I would plug away and it reminded me so much of the early days of yeah. CFE yeah. where it was singularly focused. I was, I was battling for the survival of my business and like it or not, what I realized is you know, when you're 12 years into running your business and you have 400 members and um, you have cash flow and you have um, people running the business with you, it, it, the 
the risk isn't there anymore. Yeah. It's not a matter of survival. It's a matter of how good can we make this? Yep. Well, when you get back into survival, man, that, uh, I, it went back right back to my entrepreneurial roots and where I can, re- I was, everything was a business. And I literally like, I have nice balance in my life. I, you know, uh, uh, my family comes first and then I have this nice kind of like my health and, um, happiness and business. Well, for those two and a half weeks, the balance went away mm. and, um, Heather knew it. I knew it. And we were battling for, um, the business and, um, action is the antidote to anxiety. And it was not only was it the antidote, um, and the anxiety went away. It became this, these two of the best weeks of my life mm. where I was, I loved it. It was the, all the leadership things that I've tried to develop over the last 10 years were being put to the test. Um, and I didn't do everything perfectly, but I'm very proud of the way I handle things from the way I converse. So we worked so hard to create a culture and a community and a team at this, at our gym. What we had was me talking to people and, um, saying how we are going to work to keep them, um, employed at time. And they're going, I want to do what's right for the business. If it's better for me to go on unemployment, mm-hmm. I'm happy to do that. It's like everyone is falling exactly the way you want to in line. Um, it was, it was, it's weird, but it was awesome. You know, like no one, no one remembers, no one gets super excited or reminisces about the best time of their days when they were going to work at nine and going home at five. That's not the best times in people's business. Yeah. It might be in terms of like balance, but what they remember is remember we had to like burn the midnight aisle and come right up against the deadline. And we were ordering pizzas at 1130 together. And we were like, you know, we worked that one day, like, you know, right through the night. Like, wasn't that amazing? Like, well, if you have, you know, kind of perspective in the present moment, you realize what's going on. Like those in the moment become the awesome things. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was stressful. Get back to your point. Yeah, it was hard, but the two pieces to that is um, take action, take another one of our principles, take massive action. Don't just do a little like, and that action, not only is it the antidote to anxiety, it creates more action and it solves it. And what we did is we went from this moment where I honestly, um, if things were going, this is what, this is what was scary. If things went the way it went, which was for the first two weeks, we, we can, we, um, we want to do the right thing. So the right thing for two weeks is we're stopping everyone's membership. Mm-hmm. You're not coming to the gym. We don't want you to pay. Now it's the right thing. So the decision's easy. Now what's the next right thing? Um, we're going to pay our staff 100%. Everyone gets paid full. So for two weeks, that was the right thing to do. Yep. Okay. At the time, this is how fast things were changing. We thought we might be back in the gym in two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So when that changed and we we're like, holy crap, this is going to go for a lot longer than this. It, what we, you run some numbers, you realize, um, for us, it was six weeks. We're out of business. Yep. Now if that's where changed, all the anxiety if, came in. Yeah. If nothing changed, yep. if we do those two things, we don't charge people and we pay everybody, 
we're uh, we're not that different than any other business in yeah. CrossFit. Yeah, we're successful. The average small business has twenty. This is not CrossFit gym. The average small business in America has twenty seven days of cash flow. Yep. What that means is, in a month, they're out of business. Mm -hmm. If they don't open the doors, if no revenue comes in, expenses stay the same, they they go out of business the next month. Mm -hmm. Now, we were a little bit better than that. We were about um, 45 to 50 days. We were going to be gone in two months. So what we did is we worked super hard. I'm not going to say around the clock, but we worked super hard to create systems that enabled us right now to where we are now. We adjusted things that we can get through um, through August. So we will be open the doors in September if this thing goes. So we shifted it from about 45 or 50 days to about um, 120 days. Mm-hmm. So we gave ourselves three or four the runway. And now all of a sudden, yeah. It lowers the stress. It was really hard. We had to work really, really hard. Everything from we've rented out every single thing in the gym. Mm. There's not a barbell or a dumbbell in the gym. And that's for us um, was phenomenal. We raised t- over $20,000 doing that. Every one of our members now has equipment in their home gym. Like it's such, we called it the win win dumbbell rental program. Mm-hmm. And because you win, you get equipment. We win because we get to business again when we open this thing up. I don't know if that's in six weeks or six months, but yeah. we'll be here. Um, it's one of the things that I think a lot of people don't realize unless you're, unless you are a small business is it's why like the government's doing a really, a really good job with this, but small, small businesses are the lifeblood of the American economy. Yep. I don't know the number of, I believe it's over 30% of I don't know if it's GDP or jobs, but like 30% of the American economy is. Yeah. I think it might be like 40, which, which, 40 to 50, but yeah. So it's, <clears throat> it's small business. Yeah. So um, kind of put that perspective of like, you know, um, well, I'm not going to. But regardless is um, if small businesses go away, um, if they don't, if they fail um, in this time period, if they go bankrupt, what that means is what I think people think is like, okay, that means that the owners um, don't get income and the people that work there don't have jobs. Mm-hmm. What that also means is it never opens up again. It's not like, it's not like, and then when we get back to this, they open up. If businesses go out of business, they're gone. Yeah. They no longer have their leases. And because of that landlords don't just sit there and wait, they go to the next thing. Can't, the businesses are gone. They don't come back. Yeah. And that's what the really scary thing is about what this could become. And that's why I give a lot of credit. I'm not saying Trump. I'm not saying Republicans. I'm not saying Democrats. I'm saying like people coming together and the stimulus package they've created to date. Um, um, obviously, I'm very biased. I own multiple small businesses. Yep. Um, is is phenomenal. Um, I, I am so, feel for my coaches and my staff um 
and I'm going to be able to continue to pay these guys. And they'll have a job when they come back. Um, I think everyone knows about what's happened with the unemployment rates and um, the unemployment filings over the last uh, couple of weeks. I, I just like people to be, be aware of those numbers when those reported are a week delayed. Yeah. So um, when people are like, I mean, it's in, it's, it's an incredible moment in global, um, in the global economy, because what, what we're feeling in the U.S. is not unique to us. It's everywhere, um, and it's certainly uh, being affected right here. Yeah, um, I think one of the things that you said, and maybe, maybe we can kind of start wrapping up here. But one of the things that you at least alluded to when you were talking about. Um, you know, uh, all of the leadership stuff that you've spent so much time thinking about and working on and, and, and the, the teamwork and the culture and all this stuff. One of the things that I've been thinking about a lot of through all this is generally speaking, we're really bad at preparing today for something that might happen or may never happen. And one of the things that I think that, uh, that I think about with what you're talking about and what you guys have done is, you did the hard work before the hard before it was before it was clear that it was necessary and now and and a lot of that is when when something like this happens then we sit down and say oh man i wish we had realized and done something about it We're, you know i think about nutrition a lot with you know people get people ignore their nutrition for 20 years and then they get 50 and 60 years old and and they start falling apart and it's like it, do you, I guess the question in there is like, do you think that that coming out of this, people are going to recognize the value of doing the hard work before the hard work is necessary or before the, before the, the, the boon or the, the reasons for the hard work is, are apparent? Yeah, I think um, here's what's going to come out of this is what, what we need to be able to do is to prepare for the unknown and the unknowable. Now, what's going to happen is people are going to go, this is now a known. There is a virus that could do this thing. So what's going to happen now is government and individuals and organizations are going to start to prepare for another thing like this. Yeah. Okay, that's good, but that's not what we need to be doing because the next thing, again, is and here's unless you was like Bill Gates and there's some really smart people. Have you seen Bill Gates did a Ted talk yeah. on this four years ago? Yeah. It's un like, what a, what a brilliant mind. Um, so he was saying we need to prepare for a virus attack. That's gonna, so now what's going to happen is we are going to do this. And after nine 11, we put in protocols that put in place for safer travel and so on. So we're, we all, we always prefer knowns. That's the problem. Yeah. What we need to do is prepare for the unknown. And the only way to prepare for the unknown is in the mind. You have to be ready for anything. And that's the importance of mental toughness. Because when you do that, when you are ready and you are able to work with hindsight in the present moment, when you're ready for the um, expect adversity and expect to overcome it. It is only when you work on these principles of the mind that then can you be ready for anything. Because otherwise, is you're preparing for specific incidences that are not transferable to the next thing. Yep. So you're a doomsday prepper. Okay, I get it. Like you're preparing for a zombie apocalypse. Well, 
that you having a bunker didn't prepare you for this. Because if you're not mindset ready, you might be the type of person that's um, getting ready for um, um, a data breach. Well, the data breach didn't happen. This did. You might be ready for um, a natural disaster. Well, the natural disaster didn't happen. This did. It's not about preparing for the specific protocols. It's about preparing in the mind for anything at any time in any which way or fashion. Dig into that and then you might not be ready for this specific thing, but you'll be able to transfer that over to the next thing. Yeah, I love that. The, yeah, the thing I think about there is there's a there's a very real difference between principles and tactics and everybody always wants to focus on tactics, right? In, tactics. in business, totally. like tell me what to do on social media and I'll do it. Where if you take three steps back and say, okay, well, what is actually at the heart of this? What are you trying to accomplish? And then go from there to tactics. The problem is obviously everybody wants tactics first and they want to ignore the importance of principles or the importance of strategy. So the way we talk about that is actually it's a foundational pyramid. And at the top is tactics and strategy. That's exactly right. Now below that is ability and skill set. Well, below that is what's the process you're going to use to get that uh, skills and abilities. Well, before the process, what do you need? You need the character. It's why better people make better athletes. The character leads all. It's person above process. It's above person above strategy. The saying is character eats strategy for breakfast. You have to work what's between your ears before you – because the tax and strategies are like – this is actually business strategy. Yeah. There is a there is 50 different ways you could go to market. But what do you need before you go to market? You need a good product. Well, how do you get a good product? You need well, what really matters above all else is the culture, is the team. Because if you have an awesome team, you can make anything and you can go to market any which way. Yep. Yep. All right, cool. I think it's a good spot to end it. I think that we will do a few more of these. Um, so I guess actually if folks have questions find me on instagram ps coming send me a dm um that's the same way we've been doing two minute drills but if there are things specific to these times these challenges that that you'd love to hear us talk about hit me up um and we'll do this for as we'll do the we'll do this until i get to see you again in real life yeah buddy yeah all right man <laughs> all right, stay Thank well you. stay safe yeah you too you can get every episode of chasing excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Until next time, thank you for listening.